0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Josh from Global Conservation Solutions. Thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of the Global Conservation Newscast. Our first story is really a remarkable one of human wildlife coexistence coming out of India. India is home to a unique subspecies of leopard, aptly named the Indian leopard, which by the 1960s was at an all-time low of just six to seven thousand individuals in the entire country. The reason for their decline was mainly due to illegal poaching to sell their body parts on the black market, as well as retaliation killings by farmers if and when leopards were thought responsible for killing livestock. Today, however, the population of Indian leopards has doubled since its historic low with upwards of 14,000 found widely distributed across India. Now, in a country the size of India, which is a subcontinent in and of itself, there are many different stories contributing to this success. One such story is about the community of Bera. Bera is a small village covering eight square miles in northwestern India and is quite unique in that it has the highest concentrations of leopards anywhere in the world. Leopards today are protected by law in India, and the local state forestry department compensates farmers who lose cattle due to leopard predation, a program aimed to help minimize human-leopard conflict. Yet, Bara takes leopard conservation beyond just tolerance, where the people actually welcome and encourage leopards in and around their community. This is because leopards help regulate the number of herbivores and other wildlife that would otherwise eat villagers' crops. And there is also a growing ecotourism industry around viewing leopards, which helps bring employment into the community. What has resulted is a culture of coexistence. The villagers allow the leopards to live freely, and it appears the leopards respond in kind, as there's been no leopard attacks in Bera for over a century, despite the high concentrations. This really is a fascinating story and one with many lessons that I'm sure can be applied all over the world where humans and large predators share a landscape together. While tolerance is certainly an important first step, the community of Bera has shown that it is not the last step and that actively working towards a culture of coexistence is a win-win for both people and wildlife. Efforts to bring back the griffin vulture to the Rhodope mountains of Europe are paying off after decades of hard work. The Rhodopes are found in southern Bulgaria and eastern Greece, and while the area is known for having an abundance of birds of prey, like elsewhere in Europe, vultures have not fared so well. Griffin vultures in particular were thought to have been locally extinct in the Rhodopes by the early 1970s, as their population crashed from both habitat loss and direct persecution by poisoning. However, in 1986, a single griffin vulture colony was discovered, consisting of about 20 birds in total, but only three breeding pairs. The discovery sparked a conservation program to protect this last colony, and it's from these humble beginnings that the griffin vulture is making a comeback in the Rhodopes today. Conservation efforts by the Rewilding Rhodopes Foundation, the Bulgarian Society for the Protection of Birds, and several other organizations focus on increasing vulture food availability, halting poaching and poisoning, and reducing collisions with power lines. Today, there are over a hundred breeding pairs of griffin vultures soaring over the Rhodopes of Greece and Bulgaria, and thanks to the hard work of these organizations, the population has been increasing for the last three consecutive years. So this is a great example of successful rewilding in Europe, and we'll be keeping tabs on this story as the griffin vulture reclaims the skies over the Rodope mountains once again. Next up is some incredible news coming out of Indonesia, where the government of West Papua has adopted legislation to legally designate itself as a conservation province. West Papua is located on the island of New Guinea, covering an area of over 120,000 square kilometers. of West Papua is forested, and believe it or not, some of this tropical forest is so remote that it still remains unexplored today. The new legislation was put in place to ensure that economic development in the province is sustainable and won't threaten West Papua's staggering biodiversity, including 70% of Indonesia's mangrove forests, millions of hectares of old-growth tropical rainforest, over 150 species of freshwater fish, which for context is nearly as many as the entire European continent, and the bird's head seascape, which is widely regarded as the epicenter of marine life on Earth, home to three quarters of the planet's reef-forming coral species, and nearly 1,800 species of fish. The terrestrial and marine ecosystems of West Papua are some of the healthiest in Southeast Asia, and the new legislation will ensure that they remain as such, while also promoting sustainable jobs, and upholding the rights of the province's indigenous peoples. So we want to congratulate West Papua on their bold leadership in showing the world that good economics does not come at the expense of the environment and biodiversity. We hope this designation acts as a catalyst for other countries to follow. And of course, you'll hear it here first, if and when they do. Another story of bold leadership by local government, this time coming out of California. Ventura County has recently legislated a 400,000-acre wildlife corridor to allow wildlife to travel between critical habitats from the Pacific coast to the mountains of the Los Padres National Forest. The new legislation will benefit a host of Californian species, including bobcat, badger, fox, mountain lion, and many others. In addition to conserving natural habitats for these species, including 60 meter buffers around all streams and rivers, the legislation will also restrict certain types of development that could impede wildlife connectivity. And this includes regulations around certain types of outdoor lighting and fencing. Conservation groups expect the corridor to open up opportunities for new and improved wildlife crossings over roads and busy highways. And they also expect that other Californian counties will adopt similar legislation to improve wildlife connectivity elsewhere in the state as well. We certainly hope that these initiatives catch on, not only in California, but all over the world, as the importance of wildlife connectivity continues to gain global attention. In Vietnam, a project to restore coral reefs off of Cham Island is bringing back both rare fish and economic opportunities to the local community. Cham Island is located off the coast of central Vietnam in the Southeast Asia Sea, and the rich coral reefs surrounding the island are recognized both as a UNESCO biosphere reserve as well as a marine protected area. However, over the years, certain areas of the reef became heavily polluted due to dumping of garbage and accumulation of ocean plastic, and this was degrading large swaths of the reef. To combat this, a dual conservation approach was adopted by the management board of Chalm Island. In 2011, the board introduced a recycle reduce reuse program for the local community to curb dumping and in 2015 began reintroducing corals to the affected areas. Since that time, nearly 5000 successful coral colonies have been established and scientists monitoring the project are now recording the return of rare clownfish and other marine wildlife in the restored areas. A spokesperson for the board says that this success is largely due to the 3R campaign, which resulted in a significant decline in dumping and plastic waste. With over 100,000 tourists visiting Cham Island annually, the health of these reefs are viewed as important not only for wildlife, but also for the local economy and the reefs are now providing ecotourism opportunities for the residents of Cham Island. After 20 years of battling a highly contagious cancer, new research shows that the future is looking brighter for the endangered Tasmanian Devil. The Tasmanian Devil is the world's largest carnivorous marsupial, which means they carry their young in a pouch just like a kangaroo. Once common across mainland Australia, today the devil can only be found on Tasmania, where active conservation programs are working to reduce threats and boost their populations. Over the past two decades, the primary threat to the survival of Tasmanian devils was a unique cancer called devil facial tumor disease. First discovered in 1996, since that time, this disease has spread across 95% of the devil population with up to 90% mortality of infected animals. However, new research by an international team of scientists from Australia, United Kingdom, United States and France has shown that over the past five years, some devils have developed a tolerance and even a resistance to the cancer without any human intervention. In fact, there are now 23 cases of tumor regression showing that the devils are gaining a natural capacity to fight and recover from this cancer, resulting in a stabilized population after what was, for many years, a steady decline towards extinction. Conservation efforts are now shifting focus to encourage this natural resistance in the Tasmanian devil population, and researchers are optimistic that this could be the turning point for the species. So not only is this an incredible revival story for an iconic species of wildlife, but also an amazing show of evolution right before our very eyes. Of course we'll continue to follow this story as no doubt there will be more encouraging news in the near future for the Tasmanian Devil. Last up, a new marine protected area is set to be designated in Scotland. Loch Carron is located in Western Scotland near the Isle of Skye and harbors the world's largest flame shell reef, containing over 250 million flame shells, which are a species of clam with bright orange tentacles. In May 2018, a part of the reef was damaged by scallop dredging, and this sparked the Scottish Government to investigate, and in the meantime, to designate Loch under emergency protection. Since then, marine conservationists have shown that Loch Caron Reef is of international importance, supporting hundreds of species of fish and crustaceans, as well as an important nursery ground for commercially important scallops and other shellfish in addition to the flame shells. A public consultation period is currently underway to gauge the level of local support for marine protection, and it is expected the Loch Caron will be permanently designated as a marine protected area within the coming months. Well, that's it for episode 12 of the Global Conservation Newscast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You'll get notifications each time we publish a new episode. And of course, you'll be helping us share the good news more broadly. If you'd like to see daily posts of conservation good news stories, you can follow Global Conservation Solutions on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've got your own conservation success story that you'd like to share, please reach out to us on any of those social media platforms. And you can also use the hashtag, #LetNatureThrive. This is Josh signing off. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We will see you next week.